You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one podcast for all things marketing, advertising, and communications. I'm your host, Ted Lau a fellow small business owner and a agency owner. And I am here with Dan Kelly, the president of CFIB, the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. In this capacity, Dan is the lead spokesperson and advocate for the views of the Federation's 95,000 small and medium-sized member businesses. Dan, welcome. Happy to be with you. So how are things going with your members? I mean, COVID and all, it must be a hectic time. Well, look, who would have thought that uh, we'd be here in uh, 2021, but goodness, it's just been a complete bloodbath for so many small businesses over the last 16 months, many of them hanging on by their fingernails as we've managed our way through the pandemic. But we're finally, 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 only at this stage do we have the majority of businesses now able to be opened to serve the public and bring back their employees and their customers once again. I mean, that's Pretty incredible when you think that there have been businesses that have been locked down, uh, prevented from seeing their customers for months on end, particularly in the province of Ontario, where I'm sitting right now. Indoor dining, for example, in Toronto, I think this surprises many other Canadians that are outside of Ontario, but indoor dining in the city of Toronto has been closed for over 400 days over the course of the pandemic, making it incredibly challenging for so many firms and Similar experiences, of course, right across Canada. So maybe tell uh, our audience a little bit about yourself. What's your origin story? How did you, where did you get started? How did you become the head cheese at the CFIB? (laughs) It's a winding path, but I had studied business in university at the University of Manitoba, grew up in Winnipeg, but had always, always been interested in politics. I remember, you know, when I was a university student getting really engaged in the free trade election back in the late 80s when Canada was signing the, uh, the free trade agreement. And it was that issue that motivated me to get involved actively working with a political party. And a couple of years later, I actually got the opportunity to go and work for a provincial premier in Manitoba. And I got to really experience the inside workings of governments, both from the policy perspective, but also the political perspective. So that was a fascinating vantage point. Uh, CFIB was looking for a very junior person in its Winnipeg office at that time and hired me. And I was a policy analyst in Winnipeg and then grew through the ranks over, I guess, 27 years and about a decade ago became CFIB's president, having relocated from Winnipeg to Calgary, then to Ottawa and now to Toronto, all while working for the Federation. So it's been a great organization to work for. It's one of these places where, you know, you can do what many Canadians want to do, and that is feel like you're making a difference in your work every single day. CFIB is at its core an advocacy organization. That's our history. So every single day I'm going to bat uh, for either a small business owner or a group of small business owners with government. And honestly, if the pandemic has taught us anything else and nothing else, it's taught us that small and medium-sized firms need a loud voice in trying to <laughs> trying to push back against some of the incredible challenges that are put in front of them by governments. Well, so you've been around the block a couple of times, so it looks like there and back. And so what's been the biggest challenge that you had, obviously, other than the the closures? Like how are you managing 
the membership. I'm, I'm assuming there was a bunch of panic and anxiety through it all. And, and now this reopen is happening, but I would imagine probably not fast enough for a lot of your members. No, you're absolutely right. Look, I mean, my organization depends almost exclusively on membership fees from small and medium-sized businesses. Businesses like restaurants, retail, arts and entertainment businesses like the local bowling alley, uh, the local independent movie theater, hair salons, nail salons. Many of those businesses have been closed for month on end across Canada, and they are our source of income. They're the people that pay my salary and that of our 400 staff that we have right across Canada working on their behalf. So it puts some pretty big challenges in our path. And I'm really proud of some of the decisions we made in those very early days. I often think back of them, you know, in March and in April of 2020, we had to make some pretty tough decisions. And one that we made that I'm still very proud of to this day is that if any of our members uh, said that they were not able to pay us a membership fee, we were going to carry them until the pandemic was over. And then any other business that was not a CFIB member beforehand, but needed our help, we provided that also for free until such time as they were in a position to pay us. So we're serving, I think, about 20,000 small business owners who have not paid us a membership fee. We're doing that because, A, it's the right thing to do. B, we're hoping that we're going to obviously build a really strong relationship with those businesses such that when they do get on their feet, they will feel like, hey, this is an organization that was in my corner when the chips were down and and I want to continue. So it's been some tough times and we did have to make some pretty serious uh, changes ourselves internally. But honestly, it felt really good. We took, if you can believe it, over the course of the pandemic, 100,000 calls from small business owners so far Wow! to try to provide them with personal advice and support. Some of those calls have been pretty dark. Many of the business owners in tears on the phones with our counselors trying to figure out how they're going to be able to, to survive. Most of them have been related to the pandemic support programs, helping business owners get advice on the rent subsidy, the wage subsidy, the SIBA loan program. But in about 10 to a dozen of those cases, the business owner was actually called us and was contemplating taking their own life. Oh, wow. And that was the toughest part, I have to tell you. I, I remember doing one of those calls myself, owner of a Chinese restaurant in uh, a suburb of Toronto. She just opened her restaurant right before the pandemic. Her weekend income, not, not profit, but income <laughs> was $10. Wow. And she has two kids brand new business, didn't qualify for any of the support programs, banks on her back to, to pay some of the bills. She didn't know what which way to turn. So we tried to provide her with as much help as we could, Go, went to bat for her with her bank, got her a little bit of breathing room. But these stories have just been, you know, pretty soul crushing, I have to tell you, over the last, uh, over the last little while. So then what about uh, mental health It being such a big, a big issue for all of us in the business world? What advice do you have to impart, especially you being a leader to an organization of 400 people trying to support those that are in survival mode? What do you say? You know, it's it's challenging, a challenging thing. I mean, none of my staff is are trained, uh, myself included, on how to walk somebody back from, you know, uh, threats of taking their own life. We certainly do know how to speak the language to business owners. But one of the things that I found that was probably most powerful, I don't think I appreciated how powerful at the time was just to tell business owners that that they're not alone and that they didn't make a mistake. Because business owners, they, when they see their business struggling, 
especially if they have staff, they take it super, super seriously. And, you know, they don't want to talk to their spouse about the fact that the business may be failing because what could happen in that instance is the, the spouse then panics along with them. They don't want to talk to their employees for fear the employees are going to flee and not be there any longer. So they don't have a lot of people in their corner. Many of them feel like they didn't do enough to prepare. They didn't have enough reserves. And I think the message we gave, we gave them that, that was helpful is you're not alone. There's loads of business out there You in the same boat. You didn't make a mistake. Your business makes sense. COVID is the reason that the governments had to put the restrictions in place, not because you were, you know, there was a fault in your business plan or somehow you were a poor manager. That was at least one piece of, I think, some relief to business owners when we shared that. Yeah, that bit of connection and shared compassion, I think, is something that has been for myself. Again, being a small business owner, I've been I've been in those dark places where you don't know what's going to happen. You got all these you know, payroll to pay, you got clients and then, and then you got employees and, you know, you got the broader business community and your identity a lot of times is hooked to tied to the existence of your small business. And when it fails, it feels like the world is collapsing. So I think something like an organization like yours really helps us lone wolves out there that are trying to make it a better world. What about um, things like mastermind groups? Do you guys have anything like that? at the CFIB? One of the things that we did do, I'm not sure if it's analogous to what, what you're thinking, but one of the other pieces that we did put in place that was really helpful, we, we started this pre-pandemic, but really grew it during the pandemic. And that was to do weekly webinars of our of members, making them available so that business owners could participate, learn more in a group about the different support, uh, support programs that were out there. But what the interesting part was that there was a dialogue between many of these businesses on these calls. They're still ongoing where it became a bit of a community and Mm -hmm. there was support offered back and forth and saying, hey, this is my question. And another business owner would see that and say, you know what, I'm glad so and so asked that because I have the same question. I thought it was just me. I didn't qualify for this support program. Is there a different one? So that was a that was an important part of it. But our business counselors themselves taking those personal phone calls where where you don't get just a, a voicemail, you get a real human being on the other side. That was a big part of our our offering. And it's one of the reasons why we've had, I have to tell you, we've had loads and loads of businesses sign up for either a paying or free membership over the last number of months because they've seen uh, they've seen, of course, uh, us on TV an awful lot, mm-hmm. uh, heard about us in the news a ton, but also they they perhaps experienced it more personally. Now, I wanted to ask you, as uh, you know, you're at the helm of Canada's largest representation of small business, and small business in itself is the backbone of the Canadian economy. The majority of business is small to medium sized business. And when you're doing communications as an association, you're not marketing per se, yet there's advocacy work, there's membership communications, there's sponsorships, like all these kinds of things that you need to, in stakeholder engagement, all these kinds of things that you need to do. You've been doing this for some time since NAFTA One, right? So what's changed? What has evolved over time and has been keeping you on your toes? 
Oh, gosh. Well, yeah, the business advocacy is very different. So C5B is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. So, I, And I'm the third president in those 50 oh, congratulations. years. Congratulations. Yeah. So you were, you were 12 when you took the helm, is that what you said? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But in those 50 years, as speaking to our founder, John Bullock, who's still alive, uh, he's, I think, in his late 80s and still uh, comes on calls uh, with, with our team from time to time, uh, tells the same story over and over again, but it's a good story. But in those discussions, when businesses, when we first set up uh, to be a voice for small and independent businesses, different than that of large corporations who have no end of money to uh, to spend on lobbyists in Ottawa and in, in provincial capitals, small firms don't. They basically buy a share in our association to give them that access, that voice in Ottawa and elsewhere. In the beginning, business owners did that because they felt like they were being a good corporate citizen. You know, they just felt like it was important to do that. More recently, over the years, business owners want to see their return on their investment. So a membership fee in CFIB that might cost 500 bucks a year, they want to see what am I getting for those $500? And so we've had to pivot ourselves as an association. We've added to the advocacy pillar that business counseling that I talked about where you get a, a person on the other end that service we have ramped up dramatically. We now are, for most businesses, their HR department because a small firm can't hire an HR specialist themselves in most cases. So they then have access to our counselors to ask questions about HR, like, you know, the statutory holiday. How does it work? How do I pay my employees for this? I need a safety policy uh, for working people working alone. Do you have a template? These are the kinds of things we do that provide direct value to the business. And then the third big suite of services we offer are savings and benefits programs where you actually get a dollar amount back when you belong to CFIB, uh, like for credit card processing. You get a much lower rate because our members collectively process, we just found this out, $14 billion a year. Our members wow. collectively process through Chase, our credit card partner, which gives them a way better deal than a business could get on their own. And we do that for a whole bunch of other services as well, shipping, insurances, and a few other things. But it's that that value exchange that I think is something that business owners want to see much more significantly. During COVID, of course, it was individual help for COVID support programs. Uh, that was a big piece of it. But also having a voice, especially when they were disqualified from some of those programs, to actually make changes and seeing that happen quickly and in real time that was pretty exciting and, and drove a lot of people our way. So yeah, it's been it's been some interesting times, but business owners are absolutely expecting more from any supplier of services than, than ever before, and they should. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Do you have any advice to people that are executives or sit on boards of membership-based associations? I mean, there's a ton of them, even out here in BC. Basically, any trades has an association. There's an association for associations is what I tell people too. So any advice to those at the helm? I've sat on some boards too. So, Look, it is a, a challenging time, not for the faint of heart in running or contributing to the direction of an association. We have association memberships as well. So we have uh, smaller associations that then add CFIB into their value exchange for their members. They negotiate a lower rate of, of, uh, of, uh, for, uh, with us, and then they can provide it to their 100 members in this community or their 1,000 members in that sector. But one of the pieces of advice I always give other association executives is they really do need to think of their association as a business and figure out what is it that business owners are really going to want to receive uh, from your association. You can't just depend on people's, that, that they're automatically going to see the importance or value in your association. So, so you got you to draw that map pretty darn carefully. And that's one of the pieces of the recipe that I think has kept us going for, for 50 years. We have, if you can believe it, we have almost 200 staff at CFIB who visit members in their place of business every day. We visit in person about 4,000 small business owners a week in normal times. And it's that personal contact with our staff in an annual visit that has also meant that business owners are less likely to quit their CFIB membership than perhaps another association. It's expensive to do, but really powerful. So engagement, like face-to-face, interpersonal engagement, so in the world of digital, where I live and reside, you're, you're still advocating for that, what do you call it, belly to belly, shaking hands and kissing babies type <laughs> method? You know, we joke at CFIB, our twist on that, though, is we bring the meeting to the members rather than asking members to come to a meeting. What I think is working less well is pulling your association members to a big AGM or board meeting most business owners want very little to do with that unless they're super committed to the cause. So you got to go where they live. Now, we're trying to figure out ways to do that better digitally, and we, we certainly have been over the last little while. But still, because we're an advocacy organization, that personal connection from one of our reps to the business owner is a big piece of us. We get them actually to sign right now on a, on a tablet uh, but to sign uh, petition campaigns that then go to Ottawa. One that we've been doing for years was pushing for a change to the tax treatment for family business sales. If you sell your business to your kids, you got taxed at a much higher rate than if you sold it to a stranger. Mm-hmm. We've been pushing that for decades at CFIB. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And I'm pleased to report just this week, the government finally, finally, finally passed and implemented legislation that will do just that. It's a huge victory, but one that took us, you know, more than 10 years to try to get across the finish line. It's our, our internal motto, motto is that we never give up and we never go away. And that one we had to be real dogged about. Really relentless. What? So this is a federal, this is federally legislated. Yes. The federal legislation bill C-208 was mm. just put in place. It was a private member's bill from a conservative MP in Manitoba. I got to tell you, I worked uh, with a liberal MP when Harper was in power to try to get this across the finish line. That failed. I worked mm. with the NDP on a private member's bill during the last parliament. Uh, when the liberals were in power, they said no. And now a conservative put forward a private member's bill and it, because of a minority parliament, it made it across the finish line. Was It was passed in the Senate and proclaimed into law. Even after it was proclaimed into law, though, the federal government said it was not going to implement it because they had some concerns about its potential for abuse. So they were going to put their own legislation, kick it forward till after the election. We went ballistic. I talked to the deputy prime minister personally just uh, about 10 days ago, and I said, this is going to be a huge election issue. <laughs> you better fix this. And to her credit, she did. And really pleased to say that that legislation is now in place and will be accepted as law by the government of Canada. Congratulations, Dan. That's fantastic. And I mean, thank you. <laughs> that, that's going to make a real big impact for myself. If I could ask you one more question is you've been doing a lot of the speaking about members and, and providing membership value, but a lot of your job, as you just talked about, is engaging with government. And you're on the federal side. You've been sitting in this chair for a number of years, but you've just talked about, I had to talk to this NDP MP, this conservative, this liberal, and every four years, eight years, someone's changing. How do you stay on top of that? Well, we joke that we've outlasted any politician, <laughs> any political party uh, in power. You know, we've had to work with them all and fight with them all. We are a strictly nonpartisan organization. Some people think that because we represent business people that we're more aligned with the Conservative Party. But those people are not in Ontario who saw us just savage the Ford government for month on end because of the policy of having the world's longest lockdowns in the province of Ontario and complementing the BC government with an NDP party in power for working pretty hard to try to keep BC's economy more open than almost mm -hmm. any other province in Canada outside of Atlantic Canada anyway. But it depends on the issue. We react the same way, whether it's an NDP liberal conservative government, and it depends on the policy there. So I've had done press conferences with ministers lauding their decision on a good policy. And on the same day, we're putting out a news release slamming that same government for a bad policy. But politicians really do, I think, because of that, trust that when we are speaking, it's not coming from a personal or partisan perspective, but it's coming because we are defending our members' interests. And this morning, right before I spoke to you, I was at a press conference with Minister Mary Ng, the Federal Minister of Small Business International Trade. Uh, we were launching an initiative. Uh, the government is helping to support the post-promise, people outside safely together. This is an initiative that we're a part of that is trying to promote to the public 
that it's time to start to return to the small businesses that they love, that we've small business owners are serious about their safety and putting uh, they can make a promise to their customers and their staff of the things that they're going to do to combat COVID and then welcome back their customers. This is something we're, we're heavily involved in right now. That's great. Well, look, Dan, I know that you're super busy. Do you have any final message to small and medium-sized business owners, given we're still just in the beginning stages of reopening? You know, I do. One of the messages that I think small business owners really need to hear right now is thank you. Thank you to any of the entrepreneurs that are listening to this right now. Thank you for persevering through an incredibly challenging time. Thank you uh, for trying to keep your businesses going because you are huge contributors to the tax revenues that support all of us, all of the programs that we use as Canadians. Thank you for the hiring that you do that create jobs for young people and keep people working and engaged. Thank you for all the contributions you make to charitable groups and and community organizations. Uh, Without those contributions, so many charitable organizations would absolutely plummet if they didn't have that help from the local small business community. So, you know, I just want to say that, you know, the pandemic has, has really caused a lot of people to struggle and to pivot, but we're near the end. If your business survived, you've obviously done something pretty good, pretty extraordinary as a business person and the country needs you. Wow. Well, Dan, and thank you on behalf of the small business community for all that you and CFIB do. Keep on keeping on that doggedness and determination. We need it. And yeah, we'll, we'll be speaking with you soon. So thank you very much. And everybody, thank you again for another episode of Marketing News Canada. My name is Ted. This was Dan from CFIB. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.